This morning, we are looking at your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you begin in Matthew chapter 6, that's where we have what is sometimes called the Lord's Prayer, what actually is the model prayer, how Jesus was teaching his disciples a model to pray. Not that we have to do it. We had uh, somebody years ago got really upset because they were in our church for three weeks and we did not read the Lord's Prayer even once. Because in the church he had been in before, they read the Lord's Prayer together every Sunday. Well, we don't feel the need to do that. Jesus didn't say, pray this way, pray these words. He said, after this model, pray. In this way, pray. But don't repeat these words over and over and over and over. Uh, it's okay to pray the Lord's Prayer when it's genuinely coming from your heart. Um, some of you seemed a little nervous when Missy started doing that scripture reading this morning. She's recuperating from uh, foot surgery, so she's not able to actually get up here. I mean, Tim could have carried the wheelchair and Missy up here, but you know he didn't want to uh, distract you from the message of the scripture, seeing his bulging biceps do that. But uh, someday we're going to hear an angel, and it won't be Missy. It'll be an angel, a trump of God. It will be called to be the Lord, called to be up with the Lord. And what a blessing that will be. Until then, as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 9, in this manner, pray like this. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We looked at that last week. Two weeks ago, we looked praying in Jesus' name. Last week, we looked at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Your kingdom come. We're focusing this morning on verse 10. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. This is an imperative. This is almost Jesus saying, you command the Father. Your kingdom come. But that's not right. This is forward looking to an event that would take place. Something that would come. Now some say this is Jesus telling us we need to pray to bring his kingdom to the earth. That it's our responsibility to prepare the earth and usher in the kingdom. That is not what Jesus prayed. That is not what he told us to pray. That's not what any of the church leaders in the early church prayed. That's what some people have said uh, because they don't quite understand the future events that God has for us. But uh, some say Jesus was instructing them in, ready for this, a prophetic eschatological prayer. There's some words I struggle with. Eschatology, I can say. Eschatological, just I really struggle to get out. But eschatology is the study of future things. What's going to happen down the road? What's going to take place in the future as we move there? Uh, well, this is a prophetic prayer. So it does uh, um, 
some people say it is only about the future kingdom. When will that be? Well, if the rapture took place right now, if we heard the trumpet sound and we were caught up to the air to be with the Lord, then the Bible says we would enjoy the marriage supper of the Lamb and we would experience the judgment seat of Christ. Now, when you talk about the judgment seat, it sounds kind of scary, but it's where God get, Christ gives his rewards to those who served him. And you may not get as many rewards as somebody else. Uh, you'll be grateful for whatever rewards you get, but you'll still be in heaven. It's not determining whether you get in heaven or not. You're already there because he catches us up to be with him. And First uh, Thessalonians 4 says, so shall we ever be with the Lord. But while we're up there enjoying the marriage supper of the Lamb and getting rewards from the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ, on earth there's going to be seven years of great difficulty called the Great Tribulation. Uh, more suffering than the world has ever endured. Billions and billions and billions of people will die in those seven years. It's going to be horrific. Uh, horrible things will take place on planet earth. And the Bible calls it the day of wrath, the day of God's wrath, the judgment day. And he's going to pour out his wrath on the earth. And then he's going to return at the end of those seven years. First, he comes for us in the air. Then he's going to return and come all the way to the ground. His feet are going to stand on the Mount of Olives. It's going to split. Uh, fresh water is going to flood through uh, the Dead Sea. And uh, Christ is going to rule and reign on planet earth with a rod of iron. He will rule on earth, the Bible says, for a thousand years. That's why it's sometimes called the millennial reign of Christ, because it's a thousand years, millennial. It's the reign of Christ. He's ruling on the earth. And so some, that's what this prayer is all about, man. It's about that kingdom, and we just can't wait for it. Um, Okay, it, there is a longing for the kingdom. Remember the end of the book of Revelation says, even so come Lord Jesus. The end of the song we sang, um, it is well with my soul. The end of it says, even so in parentheses. And it's because it's referring back to Revelation. Even so come Lord Jesus. Uh, it's referring to the even so of John from the last chapter of the last book of the Bible in the last part of that chapter. John says that. So thy kingdom come. Does it express only the longing for Jesus to rule on planet earth? How many of you think our political system will be better when Jesus rules? A lot of you didn't raise your hands. How many of you think the judicial system will be better when Jesus rules? How many of you are not thinking? I don't see enough hands going up, people. The political system will be better. The judicial system will be better. The music will be better. Everything will be better when the Lord is here. But even that is not the final kingdom. That's the temporary kingdom on earth, and then the earth and heaven will be destroyed, and we'll have a new heaven and a new earth, and that will be the eternal kingdom. So is that all Jesus is saying? Like John's, even so come Lord Jesus, your kingdom come, and someday over the rain... Oh, sorry, wrong song. Uh, someday that'll be great, won't it? When Jesus rules on planet earth. But that's not all it's talking about. 
Thy kingdom come means more than that. It's also a practical concern for the inworking and the outworking of the kingdom in my life and in yours through the Lord's disciples. What, what does it mean when doctors say your cancer has metastasized? What does that mean? It's spread. It started in one part and it's spread maybe all over sometimes. Okay, think of this in a positive spin. Cancer is a negative thing. But your faith that starts in your heart, in your soul, it's supposed to metastasize to your whole body. It's supposed to influence and impact all of you from the inside out. Your faith should spread from your mind and heart through your activities, through your mouth to influence other people. Your kingdom come is a desire for the future kingdom of the Lord, but it's also a desire for our lives to be radically changed right now. Not later. Now. It's a desire for us to be transformed right now into His presence because of His presence within us. Not just that day when we'll be in His presence physically, but that day when we're in His presence this day and tomorrow. And we were yesterday because of His presence in us. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Are there people in heaven today? How many? We don't know. Maybe millions, maybe billions. Hopefully billions, right? Uh, if they're not billions there, we know where the billions are. So there are people in heaven. If we went around the room, everybody here could name somebody they know that's living in heaven right now. Do you think the people that are already in heaven, do you think they're doing the will of God? Why? Because it's heaven. <laughs> That's what we do in heaven, right? We do the will of God. What are the angels there? Or, obviously, there were angels who didn't do the will of God. They got cast out of heaven. But the angels that live in heaven, they're doing the will of God. The good angels that go back and forth from heaven to us as ministering spirits of the Lord, they're doing the will of the Father. And all the people in heaven are doing the will of the Father. And when you get to heaven, you'll be doing the will of the Father. But right now you're supposed to. Not just then. So your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when Jeff Jorgensen is in heaven with the Lord, he's going to live perfectly. There will be no sin. There will be no distrust of God, no questioning God, no, no fears. We'll be with the Lord in heaven. And God says, hey, Jeff, what I want for you is that just like you're going to obey me in heaven, obey me now on earth. Like the song that Megan said, trust that the difficulties of life are sent from the loving hand of the Father to ultimately bless and enrich your life. Receive it now. His kingdom now. 
This prayer is a desire for your life to be consistent with what your life will be so that your life now and your life then are more consistent. That's what that part of this prayer. It's a desire for each part of earth to be filled with heavenly praise and obedience to the Father through the Son in the power of the Spirit. That's, That's part of this prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. So tomorrow when you get out of bed, I want you to think about this phrase. Your will be done. And I want you to pray to the Father and say, God, today I want to do what you want me to do. And I may get in a car accident today, God. I may injure my knee today, God. I may throw my back out today, God. I may uh, get fired today, God. If you work for yourself and get fired, it's a really bad day. Uh, but Lord, I'm, I'm going to trust you. And this day is your day. I, I don't agree with all of his theology, but I do love what Martin Luther said. They're celebrating 500 years since the Reformation. Martin Luther said, I'm supposed to live this day because of that day. That's exactly how it's supposed to be. That's what your kingdom come. Let me live in a way that's consistent with your kingdom, your values, your desires, not my own. So this morning I want to give you five quick tests. This is Baptist preacher quick, okay? So five quick tests to determine if you're longing for his kingdom and desiring to do his will now on earth. So we're going to turn to five different passages of Scripture. We're going to look at something in that passage of Scripture that God wants you to do in your life right now. The first will start in 1 Peter chapter 2. I actually started to do a big PowerPoint with all of these points on here, and I, I got to thinking it might distract you. We want to really focus on the Word and not just on the screen, so... I deleted all those slides and just left the one. 1 Peter chapter 2. And listen carefully. Before I read the scripture, I'm going to say what this value is, and then I want to read the scripture so you can see that's exactly what God's word says. Okay? Um, The first quick test, it is God's will that you show respect for politicians and police, for those in authority. That's God's will. Now, if I were to look at your Facebook, would I see respect for politicians? If I were to look at or listen in on your conversations, would I hear you Denouncing those in authority or showing respect and praying for those in authority? Now, I can't do that. I don't have a Facebook account, so I'm not going to be looking at your Facebook account. I can't listen in on you. Even if I was close enough and a normal person could hear, I don't hear well enough. But God does. He sees what you write. He sees what you like or dislike, what you repeat, what you link. He hears what you say. He knows what's on the inside. So this is a test 
does. It's God's will that you show respect for politicians, police, for those in authority. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. Therefore, submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Whether it be to the king as supreme. We don't have a king. We do have a president. Nobody agrees with everything the president does. Nobody ever has agreed with everything the president does. But Christians are supposed to show respect. Verse uh, 14. To the king of supreme or to governors, as to those who are set by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those that do good. Police are out there for the punishment of evildoers. We should show respect. Look at verse 15. Why do we do this? Verse 15. What does it say? Did you hear that? Did you hear yourself? Say it again really loudly. This is the will of God. What is the will of God? That you show respect to politicians and police and those in authority. This is the will of God. That by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free yet not using your liberty as a cloak for vice, but as servants of God. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. We live in a nation with the greatest freedoms in the history of the world. And we have a bunch of Christians taking those liberties and taking pot shots at anybody who's in authority they disagree with. And God's word says that's not his will. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You will show respect. Does that mean you can never disagree with them? No, it doesn't. A little later in the service, I'm going to read you a couple of things that A.W. Tozer wrote. I don't agree with everything A.W. Tozer wrote. I loved his heart for God. But A.W. Tozer believed it was God's calling in his life for him to be a prophet to the nation. I believe that the role of the prophet ended when the Bible was completed. That we need to boldly speak the word of God, but we don't have anointed prophets. So A.W. Tozer and I would disagree on that theology. But I'm going to read from him because his heart chases after the heart of God. And so you're not going to agree with everything a politician does, unless, of course, you happen to be that politician. But you're not going to agree with everything they do, but you're going to show respect and show love, and pray for them more than you complain about them. But if somebody asks you, do you agree with this policy or that? You can say no, and you can say why. But don't trash talk those who are in authority. Let me tell you, there's a lot of preachers and a lot of Christians out there doing trash talking. And the Lord doesn't like that. That's not His will. So don't pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven unless you're seeking to do his will. So do you show respect? Do you want the Father's will done on earth? Are you working to make the space around you um, heavenly focus, kingdom space? Number two, First uh, Timothy chapter two. This is sort of related. 
First Timothy chapter 2. <coughs> Here's the point. And then we'll read the scripture and see it. It is God's will that you care for the souls of those who oppose and harass you. Those who oppose and harass your faith. Those who oppose and harass your work. It is God's will that you care for their souls. First uh, Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. There are believers on earth today who have made death threats against a president and against people serving in political office. God said you should be on your knees praying for their soul, not trying to attack them. I've heard Christians joke about, I can fix Washington, D.C., lock and load. <laughs> you know how we can fix Washington, D.C.? If the millions of Christians would get on their knees and pray and repent and follow God, we might end up with some politicians who actually think following God is important. But when Christians act like the world because they're trash-talking and bad-mouthing and don't seem to care for their souls. Here's a, here's a question. Do you pray for their salvation? When was the last time your heart was burdened for the soul of those people who disagree with you? The Apostle Paul experienced that. He was so grieved for their lostness. He said, I wish I could go to hell so they could be saved. How does that compare with Christianity today. Do you plead for their souls? God's will is that they be saved. That's God's plan. That's His desire. That's what He wants to see. So if you have a different desire, you are out of sync with God. And if you're not walking with Him, you're on the wrong path. Get on the right one. Number three, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is getting in, dealing with the church, not just Christians and the unsaved world out there, but kind of dealing with the church and our connection, our interaction with each other. Here's... It is God's will that His people care for each other and show gratitude to Him no matter how diff difficult their circumstances may be. All right. In this section over here, somebody tell me very briefly about someone you know going through difficult circumstances. Excuse me. 
Don't know anybody going through difficult circumstances? A friend who lost her husband. Okay. Somebody in this section. Okay. Wow. That's bad. So her son's having a difficult time at work. Somebody over here. <laughs> okay. Kathy, you were going to say something too. Okay. Great deal of pain. We, we have difficulties. And I don't mean to gloss over what Jeff said about Megan. We, Megan's has difficult days. Um, but if you want to know more about that, you're not going to find out. Just pray for her. That's good enough. God's good all the time. And, and we need to care about people. And we need to realize that... <sighs> My wife says it's a really, really crude word to say that something sucks. And I don't mean that in a crude way. I mean that in the general sense of it's really, really bad. So when our kids weren't allowed to use that word growing up. And so Nathan once was bragging about our vacuum cleaner. Man, that vacuum really sucks. It sucks better than any vacuum we've ever had. It's got great suction on that vacuum. Uh, but, but listen, I don't want to be crude. And if that use of that word offends you, I'm sorry. But listen, life hurts sometimes, doesn't it? There, there are difficulties. So how should Christians respond? Well, I know. We should just have faith and Jesus will heal us. I saw it on TV. <laughs> what does God's Word say? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. Now we exhort you, brethren. This is to believers. We exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. See, it's God's will that we care for one another. And it goes on. Uh, See that no one renders evil for evil. Um, I'm sorry. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice when? Always. Rejoice all the time? Why? Because you have the Lord with you. Martha and I were talking before the service about it's never a bad day when you have the Lord, right Martha? We have the Lord. It's a great day. It hurts, but we have the Lord. And we know where we're going. And we know the pain will be gone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. There's a passage in Scripture that says that believers in Philippians 2, I think, do everything without murmuring and disputing that you may be called the children of God. Christians that grumble and fuss need to spend more time praying and praising God for His awesomeness. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Not for everything, but in everything. Give thanks. 
When I was a kid, my mom would always sing, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God had done. And she tried hard to count her blessings, even in difficult times. And I learned from that. In everything, give thanks. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you or concerning you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies or the proclamation of the word. Test all things. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. God's will is that we be engaged with other people. We be a positive influence for others. We seek to pray for them and help them and assist them. And in our own lives, we rejoice. Christians who are mumbly mouth complainers are not following the Lord. In fact, of all the creatures in heaven, the one who complained was thrown out of heaven. That was Satan who said, I don't like the way it is. I want to be like God. I want to be in charge. I think it was during his teenage years. And, and Satan was thrown out of heaven. And God says, in heaven, everybody's just rejoicing in God. And so if we want his will to be done on earth, there's some little questions. Are you voluntarily and willingly showing yourself accountable to other people? I know some men who get the distorted view that the Bible says, the man is in charge of the home. And what he says is law. Right, little woman? That's not what the Bible says. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 7, that if a man does not cherish his wife and honor her, God's not going to listen to his prayers. So, yes, he has to lead, but the decisions he makes have to be for the good of the home, not just for himself. Are you kind? Um, are, are you just a nice person? This says you should be kind to people and not render evil for evil, but show kindness. Do you seek to do what is right? even for those who deliberately make your life difficult? Do you try and do what's right? Are you looking for things to praise and rejoice? I said earlier, I would share a couple things from A.W. Tozer. I've read, uh, oh, half a dozen, six, seven, eight of his books. I, I enjoy the way his heart chases after the Lord, and sometimes I, I really like the way he phrases things. I like this. He, he compares contemporary Christianity with true Christianity, true in the sense of historically accurate, connected to Scripture, okay? Contemporary Christianity says, Jesus is not going to lay any burdens on you. He's going to take them off because he loves you. Um, he, it says, contemporary Christianity says, he is not going to let you get into trouble. He's going to remove the trouble. Well, true Christianity says, this is Tozer's word, if you follow Jesus, you will have his enemies. If you follow Jesus, you will have his troubles. If you follow Jesus, you will have 
his rejection. If you follow Jesus, they will think the same of you that they did of him. And what they thought of him can be seen on a hill outside Jerusalem. They took him out and nailed him on the cross. True Christianity says, I can rejoice that God is at work. Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. So are you giving thanks in your difficulties? Because he loves you? That even when you walk through that valley of the shadow of death, you don't need to fear because the Lord is with you? Are you honoring him even when life is painful and frustrating? Are you listening to and following the leading of the Holy Spirit? This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Dr. Henry Cloud says, Your inner life determines your outer success. Number four. Turn back a chapter. First Thessalonians chapter four. Or turn forward a chapter, however your mind works. First Thessalonians chapter four. Listen. Here's what we're going to read about. It's God's desire that you control your desires. Let me say that again. It's God's desire that you control your desires. That you strive to please Him and not yourself. That your passion is not for self-indulgence, but for His approval. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that ye should abound more and more, just as ye receive from us how ye ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. Our culture celebrates sexual immorality. Our God despises it, says it will destroy you. It is painful and hurtful. More homes have been destroyed because of that than any other thing. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. That no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this manner. Because the Lord is the avenger of all such. As we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness but in holiness. Therefore he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us His Holy Spirit. Hugh Hefner died this week. Last week. Today's the first day of the week. He's the founder of Playboy magazine. He is celebrated as a, a person who uh, promoted free speech and, and brought freedom. The truth is, he defiled America. And he encouraged people to reject the values and morals of God. Did you pray for his soul while he was alive? We knew who he was. We knew what he did. 
we had a pretty good idea where he was going when the end of his life on earth came. Did you pray for his soul? That's what God wants. He, He wants us to be striving to please him, not ourselves. He wants us to avoid pornography. And that means turning away from some commercials. I like watching football. I'm I'm not a fanatic about it like some crazy people like my wife. Uh, But I like football. I, I enjoy watching a game, not two or three or four in a row. I get really tired of the announcers, but I hate the commercials. Are you turning away from inappropriate commercials? Are you looking away when you see someone dressed inappropriately or provocatively? Megan and Courtney were down on the U of A campus this past week, and they said it was shocking the way people were dressed. It was embarrassing for them to see the way women were not dressed walking around campus. By the way, Tim, ASU's no better. Just say. Are you striving for holiness on the inside and the outside? It's God's desire that we control our desires. Let me share with you another thing from Tozer. This is his prayer. Part of his prayer. He wrote out this long prayer and this is part of it. Save me from bondage to things. Let me not waste my days puttering around the house. Lay thy terror on me, O God, and drive me to the place of prayer where I may wrestle with principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world. Deliver me from overeating and late sleeping. Teach me self-discipline that I may be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I accept hard work and small rewards in this life. I ask for no easy place. That was his prayer. What's your prayer? Number five, 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Hebrews, James, we started out in Peter and 1 John's right after that. 1 John chapter 3. It is God's plan, it is His will, it is His desire that you love and serve Christ and others more and more. 1 John chapter 3, verse 23. And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandment. This is his will. This is his desire. Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Are you trusting him and obeying him as Lord of your life? Uh, What have you done this past week to help someone else that took a bit of sacrifice? What are you planning to do next week to help someone else that would take a bit of sacrifice? I mentioned in the service earlier that I went to a memorial service yesterday celebrating the life of my niece, Luis Alberto Carballo, my niece's father. 
her dad, uh, Luis. Everyone said that he was a kind and gracious man who continually talked to people about the love and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. His wife, his daughters, my nephew, his son-in-law, his grandkids got up and talked about how Grandpa loved the Lord and talked to everybody about the Lord because he wanted them to know him. His wife stood up and shared that she never doubted his love, that he loved her passionately and completely, but there was no doubt that he loved the Lord more. His daughters, son-in-law, grandkids, talked about how he influenced them for Christ. Not just cool grandpa, nice guy to hang around with, but one who was constantly talking about pointing to Jesus Christ. If your memorial service were this coming week, and people talked about you, what would they say? Would they say, oh, she loved the Lord? Would they say, he was one of the most kind men I've ever known? What would they say about you? See, God's will, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen to these words from Psalm 67. Now, there is a word that's recorded in the Bible, it's selah, and we think from the Hebrew it was actually just a pause in the music because the Psalms were songs. So I will pause rather than say the word selah. God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. That your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is that the prayer of your heart? The Lord said, you ought to pray like this. That's the heart of God. God wants to see that in your heart. We're going to sing a hymn. It's, uh, if you want the hymn, no, it's number 591. The words will be up on the screen. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Part of letting him have his way is trusting Jesus as your Savior. Part of letting him have your, his way is trusting him as Lord and realizing that life gets hard. Life can be very difficult. Life can hurt. But we're going to trust him. We're going to trust him with physical pain. We're going to trust Him with mental difficulties. We're going to trust Him with emotional stresses. We're going to trust Him with financial difficulties. We're going to let Him have His way. And we're going to realize 
He's in charge of the circumstances of our lives, but we are responsible for our own attitudes. And so in our heart, we want to say, you have your way, O Lord. Let's sing. You can remain seated. Let's sing.